If you were a book, what genre of book would you be? Romantic comedy? Science fiction. Uh, nonfiction. What is happening? Man, I was very excited to do this podcast. That answer just went in so many different directions. Why are you why are you in a romantic comedy? I'm not a romantic comedy. I'd be a self help book. I don't know. That self help like uh, how self-help. to for dummies. Self help like, in romantic comedy? Honestly <laughs> Honestly? You just made up a whole new genre. So you picked science fiction? Yeah. Because uh, you're, you're no longer doing vlogs so you watch the grass grow and Yeah. The science. <laughs> what was that science. about? <clears throat> Over here. Somebody commented on one of my videos saying like hey you can make watch grass grow funny so that was so you time. made a video about it yeah wonderful and i don't think i achieved that but we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> the fast was getting to this yeah. happened um but no that grass looks pretty good yeah. you know i was fasting i was like man i'd eat that right now increase the saturation and <laughs> yeah what no like in, the, in uh willy wonka right yeah, yeah. they oh, eat the yeah, grass in that. yeah <clears throat> i said non-fiction oh, I what could autobiography that. just just, I could see just that. straight to the point like no bs well, I mean, actually, fiction's a lot of BS. Oh wait, no, I was thinking fiction. Non-fiction. non-fiction. Non-fiction can be a lot of BS. Really? What do you mean? I feel like yeah. Why? How? The, I mean, people put their commentaries and stuff like on you know the non-fiction part. They can always like it's not everything is true. Yeah, I mean. I mean. Sure, but wait, I guess but that you're depends. more fiction, Frost. A more fiction? Yeah. How? Because he's like you know his brain's all like out there in another world. No, I actually like when it comes to reading books. I hate reading fiction. Like I like watching. I don't like reading. I like listening to my books. I like listening to my books. Read books, kids. Yeah, don't read books. Yeah, (laughs) read, but then also gain knowledge from other sources as well. Yeah. Thank you guys for tuning into an episode of Strange Flavors. My name is Shimmer. I'm Faraz. My name is Amber. And this is brought to you by Aleph Theory. You can find us on all social media, on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. No way. We're all on YouTube, SoundCloud, Anchor, and Anchor? W- wherever you listen to podcasts and whatnot. Um, if you have any stories or music or questions, et cetera, you can send them to our email at strangeflavorspodcast at gmail.com. In fact, in this very episode, we have music coming in from a listener, so that's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. I like when you guys send us um, your tracks. That's always fun to... Um, listen to what you're creating and mm-hmm. stuff and yeah we love to feature you guys so thank you for Send sending them that in. in and also um speaking of the anchor app we actually got what are you laughing at can we I just sound... a, yeah can we address the fact that last <laughs> week i sounded crazy on the podcast and this week you sound crazy sorry guys i'm next week yeah, yeah. <laughs> nasally shimmer no it shimmers nasally like year round so <laughs> i'm always sick um no, but uh, thanks to you guys for all of your support and listens. We've been getting a lot, a lot more listeners. Um, and so we are able to put in a second sponsorship on Anchor, which we're pretty excited about. Um, are they excited about that? Like, oh, yay, another sponsor. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean, I would Be hope happy that for they, us. Yeah, they want to support, to support us. Mon- we, yeah. Monetarily. Yeah. yeah. Just by listening. Yeah. Exactly. And um, while you're on that, um, you can also... Uh, give us feedback on the Apple Podcast app, which helps us out tremendously. So if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, iTunes, just take a minute and just search us up and leave us a review. You know, leave some commentary of what you know what you think of the podcast. Also, if you're listening on YouTube, make sure to hit that subscribe button and uh, you know that always feel up. free. Thumbs up. Notifications on, on. We love reading your guys' comments. That's always helpful because I know you can't comment on um, these uh, these po- podcasts. But you can send voice messages now, which we'll be telling you about shortly. Whoa. Um, what? That's what the sponsorship is. No oh, yeah, way. on Anchor. Yeah, see, they don't even know. Dang. Insert ad now. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, but uh, anyways, uh, there's uh, there's these uh, guy and girl uh, Snapchat filters that oh, have been yeah. really popular. Have you guys used these? I feel like they've taken over the internet, but yeah. Yeah. They're done so well. Yeah, like, they are. They're perfect, but like... I feel like for guys, if our egos weren't already so high, now we're looking at ourselves as females. We we're like, whoa! Like I'd be I'd a be hot girl. Yeah. Yeah. Except the girls, we look re- like we look so bad with the guy filter. <laughs> yeah, I saw a tweet that was like, um, uh, the guys look uh, really good as girls. I'm just saying, like mm-hmm. it was something like that, which she's trying to make a point that like, mm-hmm. girls are cuter than guys. Mm-hmm. Period. That's. Uh, but, 
That's true. Mm. Mm. Whoa. I mean. Step back, boys. <laughs> yeah. Did you guys see the one that was like uh, this girl who was like um, kind of like kissing her boyfriend and stuff, but she had the oh, man yeah. filter on. And then he was like, he looked back. He's like, whoa, oh, chill, yeah, yeah, chill, I, chill. That. <laughs> I told you not to do that with these filters. And that uh, that that baby one is really cute, too. The baby one's adorable, but it won't show up. I look mine. ugly as hell really? as the baby. Really? <laughs> I think because mm. it shows my hair and mm-hmm. like shows the fade and everything mm-hmm. in the baby form. So it looks so weird. But the also, best thing that people are doing is the girl and guy versions of like songs together, like oh, yeah, the yeah, duet. Yeah. That's cool. That's like the best ones. That yeah. I've I'm, seen. I'm waiting for somebody to get offended by this somewhere. I'm, I'm surprised it hasn't come up yet. Oh, offended? Yeah. yeah, I feel like there's gotta be there's some something people like that, how? Whoa, yeah. where's our gender? I don't know. Whoa. But, okay. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's what I'm saying. Like yeah. it's gotta be something like that. But on that on that sort of same note, I want to discuss something that um has come up recently, and it's been this whole. Aisha Curry stir. Have you heard about this at all? Oh, Aisha Curry? Uh-huh. Yeah. So, no, I haven't. So she's uh, Stephen Curry's wife, uh, the basketball player on the Warriors. And um, she came on the, uh, is Red, it Red Table Talk? Red Table Talk with Jada Pinkett Smith. Right. So they do those. Um, and she was talking about how she feels insecure because she's not getting hit on by guys. Okay, so let's preface this differently because the conversation that they were having is that as the they had all the women in the family so the mother um aisha curry and then the sister of stefan and um the other brother's wife okay so all these are the girls and and they're basically talking about being the female role and how like what it's like to have their men have so much female attention. That was the conversation they were having, and the conversation was how they deal with it. And so she was saying, you know, it's it, it's come to a point where when it happens to him, he he introduces me, and we've kind of had that conversation. But it's harder because it's not like I get that same attention back. I'm only seeing him get that attention. So when it comes to me, I'm not. I haven't gotten that attention in a really long time, and I'm just saying like that would be nice. And, people, and she's gotten she's gotten blasted by this online. So That's not what I'm here to do. Mm-hmm. But I do want to say I feel like what she's doing by saying like you know she, she kind of she was saying like she wishes that she would get catcalled and stuff nowadays, right? She didn't she, say catcalled. She Amber, she kind of said that. She didn't say catcalled at all. I feel like she just made a point. She would that, like that for she men feels... to comment on her <laughs> body and stuff like that. And and I think what it's I'm just trying an to attention say, thing. Like like she doesn't feel like like. She gets enough attention. Like, like you know, she has three kids. You know, women tend to get insecure at that point in mm-hmm. their life. And she's just saying that, here, my husband is this, like, like star, and he gets all this attention. Where's mine? Uh-huh, yeah. So my thing is, like, I'm, I'm all for her speaking up about her insecurities. what's bothering her, right? But I feel like people, that- like, especially girls that are looking at this, maybe, it's kind of like you're seeking um, somebody to validate mm-hmm. you and I feel like the whole, this whole thing with social media and the internet, the problem with it now, right now is that we're so like looking for likes and attention and stuff right. that this kind of reinforces that idea that like, yeah, I should feel insecure about that. I don't know if like, I, did, I actually didn't watch, so I'm, mm-hmm. um, I didn't watch the rest of it besides that part. So maybe someone can correct me if, mm-hmm. if I'm like not speaking right on this, but I feel like somebody should let her know like, um, and I believe that Jada was commenting like you don't need that and stuff, yeah. right? I feel like there should be um, there should be somebody to come in and commentate on like what's going on here and why, what she's feeling, um, how to deal with that and stuff. Right, right. I don't know. Like I just feel like if if girls and and just even guys like young people are listening to this, they're kind of understanding that oh, like I also feel that way and. I think that if anything, I should it, get it, brings, it brings it kind of full, not not because you know like the whole Me Too movement and stuff. Like, what if that starts happening? They're like, oh wait, but she asked no, there, for there's it. There's a difference between and getting attention like, and then being catcalled. No woman wants to be catcalled. Okay, okay. I think the idea is that like, like when she where's the environments that she's in? Right, she's mm-hmm. at these games and at but these games. That, but isn't that inappropriate? Female, wait, no, so, could it also be like respect? Like, oh, this is Steph Curry's wife. Let's not. Yeah, right, that's right. what I'm saying. So I think the idea is. Is her bringing up how she feels insecure by the la- like not getting the same amount of attention or even anywhere near it, right? Or for that matter, no attention except for from her husband. And all the other women were very quick to be like, "Sweetie, like that's something that you think you want until you get it, and then you very quickly realize you don't want it." So I think the 
it, for her to say it, I don't think it was harmful because she was probably saying things that other people were feeling. Like, okay, like, you know, I also do feel this way in my life. Like, mm -hmm. I'm feeling insecure. I have three kids and I'm like, you know, here, like, you know, my husband. And there were plenty of people that said that, you know, I'm feeling the exact same way. I'm a mom too and I feel yeah. that way. And, and my husband's all Jada out there looking and, good and stuff. Exactly. And then Jada and her mom and uh, her mother-in-law came in and were like, sweetie, you don't want that. But like, we can see why you're saying it. Yeah. So I think it was good. It's, it's not, I don't think it's detrimental to, you know, just younger girls watching this stuff because it's being addressed and then also addressed on the other side. Like mm -hmm. you think you want it until you get it and then you actually I think, don't want it. I think the it. missing part of the equation is that she's a celebrity. Mm -hmm. And average people that are listening to it will not be able to relate on that level that she's talking about. Your husband is not Steph Curry. Maybe. Like, yeah, it but seems other like a, people If you have, like, do. a rich husband or something, sure. and he's, like... But you know. we're talking about fame, like... But other people, of course, they people, will be approached more easily. Imagine being married to Beyonce, and you're not Jay-Z. <laughs> like, you know, you yeah, have... Yeah. That's something that you kind of sign up for. Right. But, like, it, let's talk in, like, a regular but she, the, See, that's standpoint. the other thing people brought in, okay? That's that she an, signed up for it? No, not that she signed Whoa. up for it, but that she was... 18 or something when she met him okay. got married at like 21 and had three kids and it's been like so she she looks good and like. she's only ever been with him yeah. and she's been with him since a very young age mm -hmm. so now everybody's also you know respecting that steph curry's wife and everything so people aren't going to pass that boundary and say anything to her but she's never really had an attention from another man so she's missing kind of and that's cool that she talks about it no, I'm but you know, like, like people otherwise. from high school, I've heard it from people who, like, have married their high school sweethearts, right? Okay. They're like, you know, I've, I've, this is all I know. I've never had anything else. Yeah. And I think it, it, it kind of sounded like I mean, people like in that. our culture do that, like, yeah. straight up all the time. Right. Because it's that, also they a only, different world. It's not even that they, like, high school sweethearts, like, yo... I'm 30 now. I got to get married to this person I've never met before. Yeah. And then that's all they ever know, too. But 30, she got married at such a young age that she never really had an experience with anyone else. They met at church, had a very conservative life, then got married right away, had kids, and they've had this successful career since. I think that she's had such little life experience when it comes to that department that she vocally spoke about how she feels insecure it's, about it. It's the world around her that makes her feel this way? Absolutely. Absolutely. Because, again, people in our culture, like... They don't see it that way. They're just sure. like, what do you mean? I don't or do that. I definitely I mean, they might. or do that. <laughs> it depends, I mean, I, I it depends definitely, where they live or something. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I guess it I guess it all depends. It's definitely the world that she's in. And but that's Steph why I Curry said. supported her mm -hmm. on what she said. And and again, like I think it's great that she spoke up and, and was honest about it. Mm -hmm. Steph I'm Curry just, is gonna be like, Hey yo boys, hit on my way. <laughs> I'm just, just curious like about how like how other dudes. people perceive it. Yeah, yeah, I just didn't like like I had people on my Facebook timeline going off, like same people making four or no, five. That's not different, cool. That's like, not cool to bash her at all. And saying how like, oh, like you're being disrespectful to your man, you're being this and this and that and it's like you're gonna tell her how to feel when she's speaking about her insecurities. And, and it's not even her man who has the issue. Like, she spoke about her insecurities. And it was literally, and I'm telling you, this was literally like a 15-minute second, 15-second thing out of a 30-minute episode. Mm -hmm. And people took just, like, any word that she said, yeah. and they, like, put it out there. And it's happened to her in the past, too, mm -hmm. when she's, you know, talked about being modest and being, you know, all this stuff. People are like, oh, you think you're so good and this and that. So anything that Aisha Curry really says kind of you know you know i think it's like a battle for people and you yeah. know i mean i wish dudes would, would talk about it that way instead of just going out and cheating and trying to get <laughs> that's uh, true validated that way but hey right and, and dudes do do that you know like mm -hmm. in his case he could be going out and like getting girls or whatever and she's like i'm not trying to do that i'm just saying that like i'm missing that yeah now amber you recently worked on a um a little doc series it was yeah about uh domestic violence Mm -hmm. um, talk about that a little bit. Why was that, um, you know, what was that about and, and why was it important for you to do that? So I was recruited by this person, Khalil Ismail. Who was on the podcast before. Who was on the podcast before, mm -hmm. so go ahead and check out his. And he's a really cool creative. Um, and he works with this organization called Muslimat Al-Nisa. And that's an organization that does things like sh providing shelter, providing health care for those that are uninsured or can't afford it. Um, I, I actually worked with the same organization five years ago when they did a Chili Bowl Sunday, which is like on the same weekend of Super Bowl, they like make a bunch of chili and they go out in Baltimore, they set up tables and provide a lot of food for the homeless. Is it halal? Yeah. And really? I don't know if it's halal, but I just oh. know it's chili. Uh, <laughs> They're and just then, getting rid like, of their food. <laughs> and then um, 
like a bunch of like you know toiletries and stuff so i I was aware of the organization as well Mm -hmm. and it was actually you know i got to go in the shelters and see kind of what the situation is they shared the stories of some of them and it was really crazy to me that this is the only muslim woman's shelter on the east coast and you'd be like okay well why is that important why do you need a muslim woman's shelter and it's there's a huge difference like when it comes to just the food that's coming in because they are like once they're in the actual shelter they're cooking the food you know they're providing it for themselves and their kids and so you know even just as simple as like getting halal meat and then furthermore getting resources such as you know trying to find jobs and you know finding feeling comfortable with somebody checking them out and stuff and the person who runs it is actually a nurse who does most of the health type things on it. So my role in all this was to reenact the story of a woman who had been, you know, abused, um, had been beaten by her husband many, many times, and uh, lived actually not in Maryland and traveled to this shelter to come seek refuge from, you know, Muslims on this They have two shelters, and I think that they're doing a really cool thing. So if it's cool for us, go ahead and put the link in the bio to donate to them because sure, yeah. it is run on a full donation basis. Um, and I think that um, I, I just... <sighs> I didn't realize the importance of having a Muslim woman shelters for Muslims who need it until I went there and I realized the like the comfort that that brings and mm-hmm. and how yeah. the people there can understand it because they understand the cultural boundaries that come with it. Whereas in a typical shelter, they're not going to provide you those same resources because they're not going to understand why you're so caring about the in-laws, so caring about this person or whatever because you know the culture is just different. Yeah, and the and the part of the video that you guys dropped so far. It was pretty cool. Like uh, Dawar was actually in it, mm-hmm. and it looked it looked serious. Like at first, I was like, "How is how are Dawar and Amber gonna pull this off?" But no, you guys did a good job, yeah. and it's cool to see that because um, I think back home, especially, there's so many cases of domestic violence. Absolutely. And I actually had somebody message me about your guys' video and was saying like, "I'm so glad they're doing this," and um, you know, because I think they they live in Pakistan or India, and they were saying that you know I see this case happen around me all the time and. Um, and it's just important for us to talk about these things. So mm-hmm. it's pretty cool that, you know, you guys brought that up. Yeah. 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 Awesome. In other uh, video and film uh, world, I guess uh, a lot is going on. Um, they're doing a lot of remakes of different things. I heard Robert Pattinson might be playing Batman or something. <laughs> oh, yeah. But also Twilight uh, Vampire. But also I heard the Saw uh, franchise is being... Rebooted? Oh, oh yeah, by Chris Rock. Are those the funny movie series? No, 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 no. that's parody? scary movie. You're thinking oh, of okay. scary movie. Saw exactly. Is like scary movie? It, Saw is like people cutting up, like playing game. You know, you know the the puppet. He's like, you want to play a game? Like the one that rides a tricycle. He's okay. a clown with uh-huh. the, the yeah. spiral. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, there was yeah. like seven of those Six movies. Six nines tattoo that he has. Yeah, that guy. So there's like seven of these movies, okay. and one was like released actually like two years ago. And Chris Rock is actually rebooting the franchise. So and and he's not, is, doing... is, is he trying to make it funny? I don't think so. But I think he's trying to go the Jordan Peele route, try to make like horror okay. movies, like because he was a comedian oh, okay, too. Okay, that would maybe. make sense. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. And maybe now all these. But why horror... they reboot? Like they just released. <laughs> and I'm so tired of those. Are, They're gonna reboot it as and start from the beginning. Yeah, start from the beginning. Okay, I really can we not? <laughs> yeah. Just can so we weird. start a petition? No, I guess I. Uh, We'll be open-minded to it and see what happens. Yeah. 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 I don't know. Anyways, um, the stranger on today's episode of Strange Flavors is Sean Alvarez. Um, Sean is actually a gay man that is in the Air Force. Um, So he's going to be talking to us about what that is like. And he's actually uh, suffers with HIV. So that is something that, you know, I've never met anybody that I know that has that. Um, But I just want to kind of... Uh, go in this interview with an open mind understand sort of what he faced and and sort of like things that he went through um, with his circumstances so everybody please give it up for Sean not usually like this i promise the skin is good because of ramadan yes why because i'm just not eating any like junk or anything like that i'm just really focusing on eating healthy and everything so you try to eat healthier during ramadan too i've lost 11 pounds since the beginning of ramadan whoa you know that's completely against the tradition so we actually eat extremely fried food and and get fat well i get sick Uh with fried food like even if i eat chick-fil-a 
<laughs> like yeah. I'll get sick, but yeah. I'll still eat it because it's so good. Uh-huh. Mm, but when you're fasting, you're like, let me go healthy with it. Most of the time. Okay. Have you been I'll fasting eat, like, a chicken day. salad. That's how we should do it. Have you been fasting every day? I have. Whoa. Wow. And this is actually not your first year, right? No, I did it last year as well. And you're not Muslim? No. <laughs> so why do it? Uh, in support of uh, Neha, actually. That's okay. it. You know? Who is my sister who works with you over at uh, Hopkins. John Hopkins, yep. That's right. So uh, you did it. What? When was the first year you did it? Last year. Last year was the first year I did it. Okay. Yeah. And he actually has the. You have the Muslim Pro app, right? I do. Yeah. <laughs> so he to remind me when like the end of the day is, so that like I can eat. Yeah. Check so the she was telling me yesterday. She's like, oh, he feels guilty because he said that he opened before Maghrib. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's hilarious. So, uh, you know, what else? What else do you think that you're sort of getting out of the the month besides losing this weight? Is there anything? Uh, I guess emotional like control. Okay. Um, when I'm hungry, I'm very angry and I get very emotional. Um, and with my career, it's just definitely not okay to get angry at the kids that I work with. Um, yeah. Just because I'm hungry. Yeah. I think that's one of the things that like, as I grow older, I sort of realize about Ramadan is like, it's not about the food at all. Mm-hmm. It's about like, you know, you are like the most angry or, you know, emotional hangry yeah. <laughs> when you're when you're hungry. And if you can if you can control your emotions at that mm-hmm. point, then it's like you could yeah. really you discipline yourself, yourself right. mentally yeah. it, through anything. Mm-hmm. And, and mental health is something that you, uh, you know, work with. You, you mentioned it at uh, Johns Hopkins. So what you like that? Okay, you transition. Like that transition? <laughs> okay. Um, what do you do over there, and, and what got you interested in that? Well, I'm a rehab therapist. Um, I got into mental health career field through the Air Force. Um, I am a reservist up in Niagara Falls, New York. Um, a reservist. A reservist, which means I only go once a month and two weeks per year to duty. Okay. So I don't uh-huh. usually have okay. a beard. <laughs> I it. shave it for that weekend because mm. it's mm. part of the regulations. Um, and I don't know, I just, it helps people. And that's what I really wanted to get into was helping people. Um, it doesn't help me per se, um, because I get really beat down, burnt out by doing it. Um, but uh, no, I, I want to consider that myself as somebody who has a big heart and mental health is a way to get into that. What's kind of like the day to day, uh, that you do on, uh, with your job? Well, I go in, I do my notes, um, which is basically just a write-up per patient that I have. Uh-huh. I have a, six patients currently on my caseload. Um, we have about 25 to 30 patients regularly in the program through six or seven people who are writing notes about the patients. Um, after I'm done writing the notes, I prepare my groups, which are anything from learning how to cope with anger, sadness, depression, anything emotional. Um, social skills, um, and then sometimes I have to put kids into holds when they're in what crisis. Um, so sometimes they get violent with us. Uh-huh. Um, I actually had to put in a patient in a hold yesterday um, okay. with the assistance of another coworker, um, and we had to actually call security because she was so violent with us, mm-hmm. kicking, scratching, screaming. What do you do yelling. in that case? Are you like to like throw hands or? No, I mean it's just so like we bring one of their arms under the other arm and it's like oh so there's like a it's procedure like a toss yeah it's uh, like and they're held so they can't move their arms oh, like a straight jacket then, type of yeah kind of yeah really that's and really what it is. And when the security guards come, is there a chance of like them like if if they don't calm down, do they have uh, like a shot? Like I've I've heard that in you know certain psych wards and stuff, they'll like give them a shot to calm them down. Uh, not in the child instance. Okay. Um, I know with some of our older patients who are 18 to 24, we have ha- actually had to do that mm-hmm. um, just because they were throwing chairs and flipping tables in a public area, which they're not really allowed to do, yeah. um, which is against their uh, treatment and it's not compliant with their mm-hmm. treatment. So I know security guards have had to like hold people down and they've had to get doctors and nurses over t- in order to sedate them, in order to transfer them to the emergency department. Um, but with the kids, it's a little bit easier because they're anywhere from like five or six years old to like 14, 15, 16 years old. So like we don't really have a lot of big, bigger kids. We have maybe three um, 
That's I a know, pretty big age range, though. That's yeah, like a child absolutely. to a teenager. So yep. you have kids that are, you know, just learning how to, you know, function, and then kids that are going through adolescence. Absolutely. So how? What about the children that are, you know, dealing with like puberty and, you know, just becoming that, and then also dealing with their emotional issues? See, it's really funny because the uh, patient that I put into hold yesterday, I feel like is in that transition period for mm-hmm. puberty. So like her emotions are like spiking mm. in different ways and so she gets really offended or she gets really defensive if something happens to her and she starts to go into crisis and she doesn't know how to uh, control herself um, and what we do is we just try to teach them proper ways to control themselves mm. or uh, control their emotions so that she's not or they're not going into crisis all the time yeah. um, because you know you can't be in school sitting in a class of 25 30 people and just start to go overboard and flip tables and chairs and everything like that. It disrupts the classroom, you know, and schools aren't really um, equipped to deal with situations like that. Do you get caught up ever in like, you know, dealing with this every day and like, you know, having your own mental health suffer in any way? Um, Sometimes I'll be burnt out. Um, I'll be tired. I won't have a lot of energy, but in the mornings I usually wake up Um, I force myself to get up and go to the gym because that's how I deal with my own mental health issues Mm. is going, throwing weights, running for 40 minutes at a time, um, throwing all the anxiety or anything that I have out the window by throwing weights and running. Mm. Um, So I don't really find it an issue to deal with my own mental health issues. And now you're fasting on top of that. Right, (laughs) yeah. That's tough, so props to you, because I know like for a lot of us, we've been doing this for some time, but like to go into it, just sort of like... As an adult. Yeah, as an adult, and then being in this field, like... And you really don't have to even, for for that matter. Well, so like... He's committed. Right, that's dope. So like, I love culture. I love Uh learning about different cultures. Um, And when I met your sister, Neha, um, I felt, you know, kind of bad that she had to do this by herself. So I was like, you know, I'll throw my hat into the ring too. Oh, and, nice. you know, kind of be an accountability partner for her. I wish kids so in that, elementary school treated me like that. <laughs> They'd be like eating Look, nachos in front of me. Guess what you can't do? You're hungry. Well, so the, it's funny because we do have a couple of coworkers who will joke about uh, that. It's yeah. easy, but yeah. they'll drop it after like once. Yeah. You know, like, oh, well, I can get ice cream, but, you know, I'm not going to eat it in front of you because I don't want you to feel guilty about yeah. fasting or anything like that. So, yeah. No, you are, um, I, I noticed, like, pretty open to cultures and just people in general. Um, I actually talked about this on the podcast, but I really enjoyed the experience of, like, uh, you actually invited us to your uh, house for uh, Thanksgiving dinner. Yes, absolutely. And that was the first time that I've ever been at a gay couple's Thanksgiving. Like, I, n- I would have never imagined that I'd be sitting at a, at a t- Thanksgiving dinner hosted by a gay couple. I don't know, like, that just doesn't... That wouldn't have ever crossed my was mind. Was it all right? gay but couples, or...? No, no, no. no. <laughs> so it was me, my partner. Uh, my partner worked... I'm straight. Worked <laughs> with, <laughs> if you didn't know me. Yeah. My partner worked with uh, somebody who's in a lesbian couple, um, and we were the only gay ones that were there, um, all four of us, and it was, what, 11 people, I think? Maybe ten. All age range too. All like age range. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, like it awesome. was like twenty to or twenty one to I don't know how old Amanda's mom is, but like forty five, fifty years old. So like it was like the range of I don't know. What what made you do bring everybody for things like things I mean, you know, with family and stuff, it seems like you brought everybody like for a certain reason or just... Well, no, I just I like hosting. Mm-hmm. Um and he was cooking. I like preparing. They, they cooked, cooked everything. It? I did. Oh, yeah. I cooked everything. And it was good. Like I gotta say, like you know, we love Thanksgiving dinners and stuff. Um, but this was definitely like the top one. I'm not even kidding. Like, wow, you guys did a good job. And for dessert, they had a whole thing. Like, and you weren't allowed to get up. He was like, I have to serve it to you. And then even like coffee and everything. They wow. had all the like more than Starbucks. Like. More than Starbucks. Yeah. It was like, real. It was real. If you think my Thanksgiving was fancy, you should come to one of my brunches. <laughs> Let's do it. I'm down. I'm down. I um, got I got French toast roll ups, egg casserole. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No. So great. like when you when you first um, are invited to something like this as an outsider, I'll say like, you're not really sure, and I'm like, you know, what is this gonna be? I'm like telling my sister, I'm like, you know, like it's your coworkers. Like, why don't you go ahead? She's like, no, like you'll like this and you kind of like don't believe it at that point but then when you get there it's like you realize how important it really is to understand 
where everybody comes from in their different backgrounds and everything. And um, one of the coolest things about that was that everybody at the end kind of shared like you know their fears and and like hopes for the future. And this and is I was a like, Thanksgiving. Yeah, dinner? I was like, I was like, this, is this like a movie or what? But um, <laughs> no, I'm, I'm sure you didn't have it like that. Um, growing up. So. No, I didn't. It was actually very structured and the kids really weren't allowed to speak. It was more like we have what to What do you mean the kids it. weren't allowed to speak? So like it was more like it was an adult occasion. Um, mm. My grandparents, my parents, and then it was me and my two brothers and then that that's all it was. And the only people who were really allowed to talk at the table were the adults because they knew what they were talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, Could the is kids this like talk a, about themselves? What? Could the kids talk amongst themselves? No. So we were all separated. Is this like a Christian household? So you know how like I had arranged the table so that no one knew each other that they were sitting next to for the most part? Yeah. That's kind of how it was at uh, Thanksgiving dinner growing up is that like I was at one seat, my brother was at the other end of the table, and then my other brother was across the table. Mm -hmm. So like we were not near each other because we weren't really allowed to speak. We grew up with a theory that um, children are seen and not heard. Um, so that if children were speaking, they were speaking out of turn. Hmm. I don't know why I feel like this somewhat ties into like, like the love and affection that you have towards your kids at your job in a way. I don't know. I mean, um, I kind of want to like, en- like encompass that theory as well. Um, children are seen as not and not heard because there are moments when children are just acting irrationally mm-hmm. um, when they don't know what's going on and the adult has to make a decision. For example, if you bring in all of these school shootings and all of this violence in schools, children should be quiet because the adults are the ones who are making the decisions to keep the children safe. Mm-hmm. Um, you have your special instances where you have a senior in high school who's tackling a shooter and then dies because he took that for the rest of the school to save the school. Um, but kids, eighth grade, seventh grade, sixth grade and younger, if they're crying, if they're speaking out of turn in a situation like that, um, they can get a lot of people hurt. Mm -hmm. Um, And I kind of want to instill that like mentality into the kids, but at the same time, I want them to have their own voice. I want them to know when is the right time to speak out. So I kind of teach them when is the right time to speak out. If something's wrong, if something's illegal, immoral, or unethical, and it's happening against you, then that is a time to speak out. Um, no matter who you are, no matter what age you are. So like a balance right? somewhere. Mm-hmm. I think you don't have to speak out about everything that you feel offended by. Mm. I think mm. a famous philosopher named Meek Mill once said, there's <laughs> levels to this ish. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> he thinks it's Meek Mill. Rapper. You got... <laughs> <laughs> I know who Meek Mill is, okay, but okay, I, okay. I don't listen. I was messing. Um, no, but... Uh, so, so growing up, uh, you know, that's kind of what your household was like, I guess. But um, when was it that you uh, came out and, and started dealing with whatever sort of that came with? Okay, so, well, I knew I was gay when I was five. You know, I was... Really? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was you very think, young. Did you, you think it was, like, weird story? or, like, different? Or? Well, it wasn't taught. Oh, I, yeah. I was, like, it was never taught in schools that this is something that could be possibly a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was just like, well, I guess I'm just different than everybody else. Mm-hmm. Um, and nobody, like, you didn't know what being gay was? Right. No, because oh, okay. it was never mentioned. Yeah. It was okay. never taught in school. It was never taught no in sex ed or anything like that. Nope. Nothing like that. Um, so it was very, I was very confused when it was happening. Um, about ninth, eighth grade, ninth grade, I was like, you know what, this is something that I am. I was watching a TV show called Degrassi, and you know, they had a bunch of, a couple gay characters on the show, and I was like, you know, this, this is something that, like, I am, you know. Um, and then I, I was really involved in my church in like eighth and ninth grade, um, and I continued throughout high school. But the moment I came out was I wrote a letter to my mom. She was going on vacation for two weeks in South Carolina. And this is in eighth or ninth grade, you said? Yes. Okay. Um, and I was going to a Bible study at five o'clock in the morning. So I left the letter on her stairs going up to her room and I left. And she took me out of school to talk about it because she thought, you know, like... Can you tell us a little yeah. bit about what the letter was? Uh, it was just saying, like, this is who I am. Like, I think I'm gay. Like, I've been attracted to men for a very long time. Okay. Um... I feel like I've, it's been like this since I was very young. Was she surprised? Uh, she was. Okay. She wanted she wanted uh, grandchildren. 
And I was like, I'm absolutely not having grandchildren. Like, are you the definitely. Are you the only child? No, I'm not. I have two brothers. Okay. Well, my older brother passed away in junior year of high school. Uh, but I have a younger brother who's getting married in August and has stepchildren already. So. Okay. So she doesn't have to worry about that moment anymore. Yeah. Right? Okay, so then you told her... Um, and and what happened at the church? Are you were you still religious, or were you having difficulty dealing with that? Um, so my church uh, was a Presbyterian church, um, but there's two. I don't know what that means. Well, so there's two basic forms of Presbyterian. There's more the liberal side of Presbyterian, the more conservative side of Presbyterian. Okay. So there's the Presbyterian church that follows the Bible and says, you know, every single rule in the Bible is concrete. And then there's the liberal side that says, you know. Jesus came, sacrificed himself for the forgiveness of everyone. Um, the part, the church that I was in was the conservative side. Okay. So I was definitely having an issue with that. Um, and I was a youth group leader. So I was leading group. I was playing my guitar. I was singing in front of everyone. And um, the youth pastor came to me and said, you know, you have to step down as a youth group leader because you feel this way. How did, uh, did you tell him? Yeah. Like, well, so... It's funny because I told one person and they said they were going to swear it to secrecy and never tell anybody ever. And then they did. Of course. And then I was like, you know, the shade is real with all these people. So, Uh and then my youth pastor found out through other people in the youth group. And how did they approach you? um, Well, they were like, hey, do you want to go get ice cream? And I'm like, sure, let's go get ice cream. Because who doesn't like ice cream on a 70 degree day, right? And they were like, so you have to step down. I was like, why? Had you eaten ice cream yet or no? Yeah. Like, we were eating ice cream, and they're like, yeah, so you have to step down. Wow. Did you continue eating the ice cream while they said that? I did. (laughs) (laughs) Food's really important to me. So, like, for me to do Ramadan is, like, really, really significant because I love food. Mm. How did you feel when they said that to you? Um, Betrayed. Mm. You know, kind of like, like, you you grow up, um, well, I grew up hearing stories of, like, how Jesus was betrayed by Judas and Judas was the person who turned him over to the court and everything like that, who, who crucified Jesus. And I kind of felt like Jesus in that situation because mm. I felt family was betraying me. Mm. And that- from that moment on, it really like molded my opinion of what religion was mm. and spirituality was because, um, I never like I went to a private Christian college um, because you know I believe in a creator I believe that there could be something out there that's spiritually driving every single human on this earth Um, I don't necessarily believe it's like has to be God or Allah or um, the creator as Native Americans refer to it but I believe that there's a spiritual drive that is in this earth Mm -hmm. and that's why I went to the private Christian school because it had one the program that I wanted to do and two it was spiritually driven mm-hmm. it wasn't it was a Wesleyan church that like funded this school but it was Catholics Protestants everything mm-hmm. every single denomination that went to the school were your uh, friends and people around you supportive or was it difficult um, coming out and dealing with that stuff so I actually have a friend who lives in Delaware right now um, who I was very, very close with because of the church. Mm -hmm. And she actually kind of questioned her faith because I came out. Like, I was really close with this person. Should I drop him as a friend because he's gay? Or should I follow him and, you know, speak up for the love that he's showing? And she, like spoke up and followed me and so that's awesome um and and i can't imagine that you were always this way being this positive outgoing person uh was there any difficulty um you know coming to terms with other people and how they might see you or anything or were you always this way no so i wasn't always this way um in high school i came in and out of the closet that's what they call it when you 
come in out. In and out? In and out, yep. Yeah. 13 times, actually, I think was well, the running joke. How do you, how do you, how do you go, go back, back in? in? Well, like, you can just say, oh, I was confused, like, I'm bi um, now, or like, oh, no, I'm straight, you know. Like, was that true, or were, was that just something you were telling It people? was just something that I was telling people okay. because of image. Mm-hmm. Um, because a lot of the times, like, oh, I'm gay, so you're the, like, ostracized person yeah. in the high school. Um, I played hockey, I played lacrosse, I was in the band, I was in the choir, I was in the orchestra, mm. I did the plays, I did the musicals, I did the lights, the, the set design, I did everything in high school because I was told Troy Bolton that, over here. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I was told that if I did everything, I would get a really good spot in college. I, mean, um, I think so. Yeah. I think if you have all that, that's a good resume. Yeah, yeah right. that's a pretty good yeah. resume. Yeah. Was it awkward in like uh, locker rooms and stuff? Were people teasing you? Um, there was one moment when I was a senior in high school in the locker room where somebody found out that I was gay. Hmm. Because it's not like I, something that I went and said, oh, hey, hi, I'm Sean, I'm gay. Yeah. Um, that's not something that I did, um, nor would I ever do because it's not that important. Um, it's important, but it's not like... Well, it's, it's weird the if first you thing. say yeah. that anyways. Right. Like, was, yeah, I don't, I don't think anybody introduces themselves with their sexual orientation. Right, They're exactly. Like, hey, why, I'm straight. Like, right, exactly. Yeah. Why would anybody? Yeah. Um, but somebody found out that I was gay, and they were like, you know, he really can't be on the team anymore. And my best friend, and I guess they were a couple of my best friends because they were the captains, and they were like, you know, if you don't feel comfortable with it, you can go off the team. Because Fire. we need him. Yeah. Whoa. I like that. Yeah. So, and they brought it to the coach who was my best friend's dad, who mm. was more like a father figure to me than any other father figure that I've had in my life. Mm. So, like, it was really, it, it really showed something about their character that they were like, I'll stand up. I'll mm. say, you know, we want him on the team. If you don't feel like you want him on the team, you can get off the team. Wow. So, after college, uh, you joined the uh, Air Force, was it? I did. So, yeah, it's really strange because I did it backwards. Most people join the Air Force when they're 18. Uh-huh. I joined the Air Force when I was 24. Mm. <laughs> Wait, how old are you now? 28. Oh, okay. yeah. So what was that like? And and was being gay a challenge in the Air Force as well or no? Not really. No, um, I actually had a, a MTI, a military training instructor, what is often referred to as a drill instructor, who said... Um, you know, I don't care if you're gay, straight, lesbian, trans, whatever. If you are going to die for me, I will die for you. Oh. Damn. And, and that's something that's, they said that's without what, even knowing yeah. anything. Okay. So, so there's a part of, so the UCMJ is Uniform, Uniform Code of Military Justice, which is the law system within the military. Um, there's one law. It's like UCMJ law number 139.2 that says like sodomy which is like gay relationships is illegal according to the military um and we were going over the ucmj this week in basic training and so does that still exist the ucmj what you just mentioned the law the law yes it still does um but it says forced sodomy so like rape oh okay okay. yeah so they changed it they rewrote the law to because ever since uh don't ask don't tell was repealed Mm -hmm. um they had to change the law because it was something that gay people in the united states could do with surf well being a part of the lgbt community trump did try to put a military ban on transgender people being active in military um, being a part of that community, how do you feel about that? So unfortunately is that um, Trump actually succeeded in doing that. Right. Um, I don't agree with it necessarily mm-hmm. uh, because there are people who have served who are trans and post-operational, you know, like they've had the operation to become the gender that they feel like they have been the whole, their whole life. Um, and... Uh, They've served. They've they've deployed. Mm-hmm. They've gone to Iraq. They've gone to Afghanistan. They've they've done their fair share, and now they can't serve. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't necessarily agree. I can't speak against or in the name of the Air Force. Um, I can only speak to what I feel. Mm-hmm. And you seem like you have some sort of um, understanding towards it, though. Is there a logistical reason for why you seem like? it could be okay for like where they're coming from because I don't know why there would be a reason for why a military person can't serve yeah, a, a I, transgender person serve in the military I don't feel like there's a reason for it um, a lot of people are saying you know the uh, healthcare costs that it's going to cost to try care oh. which is mm-hmm. the healthcare system that the military uses um, but but doesn't that come with anybody who might have any type of but there's going to be more there, right there is yeah so there's a lot of people issue. and 
what I feel like the trans ban is going to cause is um, people questioning. Um, should I come out as trans? Should I, you know, live my true life? Um, and if they say, you know, no, and they struggle with it, then, you know, you have the opportunity or you see the opportunity that people are going to attempt suicide or commit mm-hmm. suicide because of that, um, Do you which that? I feel like is not the right way to go about it. And it's the same thing with anything. Like if you feel like I don't necessarily agree with somebody deciding to abort a fetus, but at the same time, it's not my body to deal with their decision. Um, I don't know. Yeah, that's I complicated. I, I, it, it's very compli- complicated because it's not just one area of expertise. You can't just say, oh, abortion is illegal. You know, you have to say, like, why it is, and you have to say what else it's going to affect. You have to say, and I don't know why the, administ- the current administration would, mm-hmm. um, but it's not my position to question why an administration would. I'm not a politician. I'm not the one who makes the laws. I vote, mm-hmm. and I vote, and I know how I vote, mm-hmm. right? right. Um, I don't necessarily agree with it, but do you have to necessarily agree? You can, dis- you can respectfully disagree with your boss. And sure. as a reservist, you know, President Trump is my boss. Right. Um, I don't necessarily have to agree with him on everything, but I do have to respect him as the commander-in-chief. Um, but that being said, I, I personally, not with any Air Force behind me or anything like that, I personally do not agree with the transplant. I do not speak on behalf of the Air Force. Yeah. I speak so, on behalf of myself. How was the rest of the experience uh, being in the Air Force? Why, why did you join that and what was something you wanted to get out of there? So I feel like I was lost personally. Like I was just like, you know, working three jobs and I was like, you know, the Air Force can turn things around. It can give me an education for free. It can give me a career basically for free. Um, it paid for a lot of my bills and a lot of my debt um, just because for the first eight and a half weeks I wasn't spending money and I was getting paid military pay. Uh, that's anything, if I had signed a lease or anything like that, they would have to pay for that lease um, or they would have to pay for the break of the lease. Um, all of my base pay, it wasn't like I had a crap ton of money in my bank account that I, I paid a lot of my debt off with. Mm. Um, and it was probably a really good decision for me to join the Air Force because it really structured my life. Mm. Um, if I didn't join the Air Force, I wouldn't have moved to the Baltimore area and I wouldn't have known you guys yeah. or I wouldn't have known Holden, my partner. Mm. Like, So I feel like the Air Force is definitely a really, really good, and it has been a really good opportunity for me. Yeah, that's great. Um, So you actually shared with us in your email um, that uh, you are HIV positive. Correct. Um, I want to sort of get into that now, if that's okay. Okay. Um, and, And really just start off with when did you find that out and what was your initial... Uh, reaction so it's 2019 I found that out March of 2017 so about two years ago okay um, a little over two years ago and uh, my initial reaction was you know I'm surprised Hmm. because I was taking the measures that I needed to take to prevent it and unfortunately, I came in contact with a strain of the virus that was resistance to the medication that I was taking. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's how it happened. Uh, I was taking a medication called Truvada, which is commonly known as PrEP. Um, there's actually even commercials on TV right now for it. I take the pill. I take the pill. I take the pill. But I'm not taking birth control. I'm taking PrEP. And that's basically the like, whole like, stance of the commercial. Um, I was taking that. And I was shocked because I was taking that. And, you know, they say it's like 92% effective to preventing HIV transmission. Mm -hmm. Um, And unfortunately, I was part of the 8%. Wow. Oh, that's crazy. Uh, Did any of your uh, outlook on life or anything change when you found that out? Um, It didn't really change. Um, I was listening to a master sergeant in the air force retire and it was her retirement speech and what really changed my outlook of life was this is that she said live more love more laugh more 
live more, do more things that you're afraid of doing, do more things that you've never thought of about doing before, love more, love more people, love more activities, love more life, um, and laugh more. You don't necessarily have to take everything as serious as it is. And that's really what changed my outlook as, when I became HIV positive was because I was like, you know, this. if anything, this is just like a like nudge to live more, laugh more, love more. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's that's how I started living. Mm-hmm. What was there any health things that you know came up to how you found out, or did you just? You know, so every out? single three months, you have to go and do blood tests when you're on uh, Truvada because of liver and kidney functioning, mm-hmm. um, because it's processed through the liver and it can be extremely hard on the liver. So when you're on prep or anything like that, you're not supposed to be drinking too much. Um, and I never really drank a lot. I don't really drink a lot now um, because I'm a lightweight um, and I can't really take alcohol like all of my friends can mm-hmm. because they drink a lot sometimes. And I'm like, you know, one, maybe two and I'm done. Mm-hmm. Like I can't really focus on a lot when I'm, I have two drinks in. And uh, so then I just drink water for the How rest did that of the end up affecting your day-to-day life and then also your relationships with people, you know, sharing that with your family? How did that change? Um, so I haven't, that? I if, haven't if, if, shared if it with my family, actually. Really? Uh, there's one person that I have shared it with is my brother, um, but I haven't shared it with my grandparents. I sh- haven't shared it with my mom. Um, obviously, I've shared it with my partner, and uh, we take the proper steps in order to prevent anything. Um really negative from happening it hasn't really affected my day-to-day life Mm. like it doesn't Um, affect your health or anything no it doesn't Mm. no you know and it's really strange because the only thing that has it has affected was my air force life because i have to go through a process to get approved to continue service in the air force Mm. um, because a lot of their hiv policy is based off of 90s and 80s hiv policy which says you know, in one to two years, that person's going to die because the treatment wasn't significant then. Now the treatment is literally like a pill that's like, I don't know, an inch big and like very tiny. Um, and that's all you have to do to you That's know, all I have to do healthy. to stay, yeah, uh, to stay undetectable and my viral load to be under 20 um, viruses per milliliter of blood. So like it's very very low if you're undetectable, um, and there's a very low chance of a sp- like spreading HIV if you're undetectable. Um, yeah. Did that affect really your relationship in any no, way? No, it didn't. Yeah. No, absolutely not. And is this something that you? Uh, I mean, you're open to talk about talking about it on a public podcast, but why is it something that you are willing to talk about? Um, because I think it's important for people to understand and to end the stigma of HIV. And there's a lot of negative stigma that comes with HIV. Um, for example, a lot of people think that, you know, if you have HIV, everyone's going to get it. And everyone, like, I can touch you right now and you're not going to get HIV. And a lot of people think that, you know, if I touch you, that you're going to get HIV. Um, and if, like, the people are listening to this podcast right now, could they get it through their ear? No, they couldn't. Oh, no. <laughs> just make it. Just make it. <laughs> right? Right? Um, so there's only one way that you can really get HIV, and that's to come in, into contact with a high viral load of HIV blood, uh, HIV positive blood, um, and you're not taking the proper steps in order to prevent that. Mm-hmm. Um, PrEP, like I said, is 92% effective mm-hmm. when it comes to preventing HIV tre- uh, transmission. And if you come into contact with somebody who's HIV positive but undetectable, you have a 0% chance, according to the CDC, that you're going to transmit HIV. So even if it was a situation with your patients or anything where there was contact of blood, it still wouldn't affect them. Right, correct. Yep. Okay. Yeah, and it's really funny because like the patient that I put into a hold yesterday, um, I was like, you know, it would have been really funny if she would have like scratched me to the point where I started bleeding because like that c- probably could have been a huge issue for mm-hmm. a lot of people. Right. You know, yeah. if like if the patient's uh, guardian were to find out that the person who she scratched and now has blood under their nail was HIV positive, that could be a huge issue. But ultimately, um, but alas, alas, the federal government protects me in mm-hmm. doing my care. There's a law called the uh, Shea Law that protects uh, HIV positive people who are in the healthcare career field um, against stuff like that because of what the CDC says. Mm-hmm. So, 
Um, speaking of stigmas and stuff, um, do you think that there are, you know, recently I think in the in the last couple of years, there's a lot of like hypersensitivity, especially online with different communities. Do you think that there's something that uh, the gay community is uh, being misperceived from the outside, or that the gay community is doing uh, wrong, almost like uh, the way that people are interacting with them? Does that make sense? Um, I don't think there's necessarily anything that the gay community is doing wrong mm-hmm. or any other community is doing wrong with the gay community. Mm-hmm. I think the issues that rely or that lie in the gay community are within the gay community. For mm-hmm. example, you know, you have a lot of gay men who are like, you know, I don't want to be near a lesbian. Or really? you have a lot of lesbians who are Whoa. like, you know, I'm going to move in with somebody and then I'm going to go against everything they do. Mm-hmm. Um it's a lot of infighting mm. within the community. Like I know recently there have been a lot of uh, DC and Baltimore bar closures for the gay community. And there have been a lot of issues within the gay community at bars being like, oh, straight women can't come into our bar because it's a church for gay men. And I'm like, you know, if people, if straight women want to support their friends, then they should be able to support their friends. Okay. Yeah. Period. Yeah. Right. Um, but it's our privacy. No. You know, you fought for all these equalities and everything like that. And now you want to say, no, you're not allowed in our bar because you're a straight woman. Mm-hmm. That's not fair. Yeah. Um, so it's a lot of infighting. And it's a lot of like discussing between gay men, gay women, trans people in general. That is just like throwing the gay community and LGBTQ plus community into a whirlwind of infighting. Yeah, so. Is there anything that people from the outside can do to support the gay community if, say, for example, they don't have a friend that's gay or anything like that? Just be their friend. Like, just give them a hug. You know, uh, PFLAG is uh, Parents and Friends and le- uh, for Lesbians and Gays. Um, they have a mom group, is what I like to call them, where they go to pride festivals and events that say, hey, give me a hug. Like if, you don't have a, like, if you don't have a mom or anything like that, I'll be your mom. Give me a hug. Mm-hmm. You know, so stuff like that. Just like involve them in the community. And realistically, we shouldn't focus on labels. We should take pride in who we are, but we shouldn't really focus on labels because labels are what separate us, not what make us one, yeah. right? The reason I even brought this up was because I think that um, communities that we're a part of seem to go through similar things where, whether it be like the Muslim community or the South Asian community, sometimes I see on the things that people are arguing about and the things that people are, the small little details that people are focusing on. And I feel like that puts us, you know, two steps back um, in the way that we're perceived to the rest of the world where we're already kind of like uh, in the in the minority instead of being like uh, more welcoming and, and more informative when it comes to like the bigger chunk of things. Um, so that's why I was saying that. but. Uh, how about how about gay parades? Do you go to those? Oh, absolutely. Um, so, like, I use them as an advertisement experience because uh, I make harnesses. Right. Um, I'm wearing one right now. Right. Yeah, show so, it like, off. Show it off to the camera. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I use them definitely as an advertisement experience. Uh, I was terrified, terrified to go to. Um, Pride parades when I was 18, 19 years old. Wait, why? Where do they happen? So there's one in Baltimore, um, the 15th of June. Um, there's one in DC. Is it a national day or? No, so it's a national month. June month oh, is okay. Pride Month. Okay. Um, so if you look, Levi's has a Pride line, Adidas has a Pride line. What does that look like? Um, just lots of rainbows. Okay. Yeah, there's lots of rainbows. Are you cool with that or is yeah. that annoying? Oh, uh, I love it. Okay. I love rainbows. Rainbows okay. are cool. I have a pair of shorts that just have rainbows on it. Just <laughs> rainbows, legit. Um, I feel like anybody can wear that. Yeah. Like right, rainbows yeah. Is... Um, Express has a pride line. A lot, of, a lot of companies are like pandering to the LGBTQ plus community. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I love it because it says, you know, we support gay people i don't care i don't care if it's pandering you know i don't care if it's just for business um because you know i go to pride parades just for business right uh i am actually having a booth down in norfolk virginia during their pride um weekend the 20th through the 24th or whatever it is and um 
like I said, I go there because of business. Yeah. What, were you asking? What are, sorry. You were saying、uh, you were afraid of going to. I、experience. was when I was eighteen and nineteen because I wasn't sure what to expect.、Mm. Like I really wasn't, and then I started to learn about where the gay community has come from, and then I was like, you know what? This is nothing that I should be scared of. This is something that I should embrace wholeheartedly. And ever since, like I did, start learning about it. I've embraced it. Can straight people go? Is it, oh, absolutely! I've actually invited your sister Neha. Oh yeah. To Baltimore、um, Pride.、Um, and let's all go. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely! Oh my God, it would be so much fun.、Um, What happens there?、Uh, a parade. Okay. They yeah. Just like yeah. march and. Yeah, like a lot of people just like walk down.、Um, my like Johns Hopkins has a like a whole bunch of people marching in the parade.、Cool. Um, So like where it started was actually 50 years ago in 1969 in New York City at a bar called Stonewall. There were a bunch of people, and it was called the Stonewall Riots.、Um, the Stonewall Bar was a gay bar,、um, and then it was illegal to be gay or function as a gay facility or anything like that.、Um, and a nice trans person called Marsha P. Johnson. Threw her first high heel and brick at a police officer, and that's what actually started a pride festival. Threw a high、festival. heel at a yes, police officer. Yes. Yes. You, you want to get hit in the face with a high heel? I don't. I, <laughs> I saw my sister wearing a really high heel today, and I was like, Right. You want to get hit in the face <laughs> with a stiletto? Mm mm. No, you don't.、Mm. No, it will go through your eye.、Yeah. That's true. You、yeah. said you go there for a business opportunity. You have a line of harnesses. I do. Yes,、okay. I do. What do they like, do? Like correct、what? my ignorance, but like. What what is a harness? Like, so the they could be for a lot of things.、Um, Adam Rapone, you know the gold medalist figure skater, like wore it to I think the Grammys or something like that. Wore a harness to the Grammys and made it a fashion statement. It's、and、not then, a fashion statement. Well, it can be. Okay. I mean, I'm wearing it as a yeah, fashion statement、true. right now. It's so cute.、Um, I but, thought you had a bag on it first. Yeah. That's why yeah. I was saying you look like a Pokemon I, trainer, but then I <laughs> realized it's the. I always、oh. look like a Pokemon trainer. <laughs> Uh, no, but I mean, there's a different thing. Like,、uh, there's a whole community based off of fetish and、um, harnesses specifically,、um, and they could be used during sexual activity or anything like that,、um, or they could be used for fashion.、Um, there's a bunch of different colors that you can, what they call flag. Is it like taboo to wear? No, absolutely not. Not anymore. It、okay. used to be.、Uh-huh. So, like, there used to be bars where it was only fetish gear allowed, which is what a harness is. Is, is a this like an S and M thing? Oh my god! It can be. Yeah, absolutely. It can be. Okay. Or it can be just for you know a go-go dancer on a box at a club and dancing. Is there something? So you have these like two little hooks in the front. Is there something that attaches to these? These, yeah. I mean, so <laughs> I mean, it can it can go down to like. Um, pant things to hold like suspender、oh, type、okay. things,、um, and I have actually have a harness that's like that. That's、mm-hmm. not I didn't make it,、mm-hmm. so I didn't want to wear it. Oh right, but you yeah, made this one, right?、Okay. So I wanted to wear it, right? <laughs> Amber's got、uh, a lot of interest in this, so yeah. Maybe she'll be <laughs> no, I mean I'm just curious. It like, looks high quality. I mean he, he made it. Like I'm just you know curious about like how'd you get into that business?、Um, anxiety. Okay. Yeah, I was bored and I ordered material and I started making it.、Um, The material that I actually use is the same material that is part of my belt for my military uniform.、Um, so I was like, you know, it would be really cool if this material was in harness so, form. So military just, grade harness. Yeah, that's what、wow. I advertise as. That's、oh, why my business、wow. name is Yester Gear. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah it's that's r- cool. Yeah, and your partner actually has a shirt on that says Homo Gang. Yeah, and that's something that you guys are、uh, releasing as well. Uh, well, we already released it last year,、okay. so I'm not going to release it again.、Um, if I were to release any T-shirt, it would be more、uh, in line with my、uh, latest photo shoot. What was Which the inspiration? You got to tell people the inspiration. The inspiration.、Yeah. Okay, so actually, you,、uh, for us, and I think Dower, and I don't know who else. Shimmer. Shimmer. Yeah. You did a song called Pocky Gang, which was、uh, a parody of Gucci Gang,、uh-huh. right? So then I was like, you know what? I'm gonna create a T-shirt that says Homo Gang on it. <laughs> That's right, people. Homo Gang inspired Homo by Pocky Gang. Pocky gang. <laughs> 
That's, that's so hilarious. Awesome. Um, I love that there's like a military inspired yeah. type twist into these. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, that's that's really where my background comes from, and uh, that's the material. I mean, the military uses this this nylon material for a lot of different things, whether it be on backpacks or training. Could be, yeah. Oh, I mean, I I know that I've definitely come into contact with this nylon uh, training for mental health technician for a restraining table for uh, psychology patients and everything. Like that. And as for your uh, image and the way that people are perceiving you after listening to this, why did you want to come on this podcast and what do you want to leave everybody with? Well, we've been uh, talking about it for a while now. You know, I just thought it would be a really good opportunity to get my story out there. Um, your podcast is something that gets anyone's story out there. That's why it's called Strange Flavors because it goes into any specific lifestyle as opposed to just like focusing on the gay lifestyle or the straight lifestyle or the Muslim lifestyle or anything like that, right? It doesn't focus on that. It goes into everyone's story. And that's why I really wanted to get my story out there. You want to work as our PR? <laughs> yeah, that was awesome. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I love that. Um, but before you go, there is one last question that we ask every stranger at the end of every podcast, and Shamir will ask you that right now. If you could describe yourself in any flavor, what flavor would it be and why? Salsa. Ooh. I would be a salsa. <laughs> yes, of course. Why? Um, so, like, not like a mild salsa or a hot salsa, but like a medium salsa because, you know, like, there's the onions and the peppers that are, like, really sweet, and but then there's that kick. That's who I am. I'm really sweet. I'm really outgoing. and But then there's that kick that'll keep you uh, accountable for who you are. Mm. Like a heel coming at a police officer. Right. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Amazing. Well, Sean, thank you again for coming on here. Thank I think you. your story thank you. will inspire a bunch of people and uh, after this podcast we're actually going to go and open our iftar yes so that's pretty exciting absolutely and for everybody listening thank you again for listening to another episode of Strange Flavors it's been another week another flavor a little less strange we'll talk to you next time